I think what happened for me, and again, I think part of that is because I had no classes, training, discussions, was as soon as I got into that mega debt, I just lost control. You're listening to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast with award-winning digital strategist, author, speaker, and personal branding expert, Francine Bellaghi. Francine is on a mission to help purpose-driven entrepreneurs to position themselves as an authority in their industry, attract their ideal clients, and impact millions of people globally. Looking to redefine the life you want to live and your best life now? Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. The place to be to hear inspirational stories of thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and Francine herself with practical strategies to get more meaning in your work and in your life. Make the money you deserve and lead a movement to change the world. Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. I am your host, Francine Belley. We are continuing the season seven of the show where we are focusing on uncovering the money mindset and habits that prevents us from achieving what we want in life and how we can create new empowering habits. If you are a purpose-driven entrepreneur, you've got big ideas and great vision, but your business perhaps doesn't reflect that, which means that you are putting all this work, your heart and soul into it, but you are not really seeing the return because nobody really knows who you are. You are not visible to those that matter the most. It doesn't have to be that way. If you are tired to live a life with no impact and are looking to position yourself as an authority in your field, attract your ideal client and impact thousands globally, book a complimentary 30-minute mini brand audit session with me today at francinebelay.com slash audit. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I dot com slash audit. This 30-minute call can radically change the way you see your brand and how others see it as well. I only have a handful of these free mini sessions each week, so book your complimentary session today at francinebelay.com slash audit. Well, today I'm really excited to have on the show Jolene Blackburn, a senior attorney who left her job at a Fortune Almost 100 company to become a full-time life counselor to pre-law and law students. She helps them avoid as much debt as possible and make the right choices. Wouldn't you love the gift of hindsight to be able to see where your path may lead and then decide whether or not to embark? Well, this is what she gives to her students. Hi, Jolene. Welcome to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So tell us in your own words what you currently do. So I help pre-law and law students with their legal journey. So I give them advice regarding saving money or even just more the social emotional aspect of whether being a lawyer really is going to fit into what they want out of life. A lot of law students have never really thought about the big picture. You know, how much time do they want to spend with their kids when they have kids and how much time do they want to be able to go on vacation and how many hours do they want to work? And a lot of times being a lawyer doesn't fit into what they 
they actually want out of life. So I try to help them put those two pieces together and make them fit a little bit better, whether that involves law school or not. And um, sometimes also just putting law school off for a little bit can make a big difference in their lives. So I try to help them evaluate that choice as well. Mm, yes, that is wonderful. Um, what actually helped, you know, prompted you to be able to, or, you know, to choose this path to be able to uh, help uh, these law schools or freedom schools students? Yeah, you know, when I was in law school, I ran the largest, most active organization on campus. And I got to know my students really well. My members, they told me all their problems, and I started to see patterns. And, you know, I also worked really closely with the school because we were so large, we had to do a lot of things with the school. And so I saw a lot of the behind the scenes of how the schools work. And so when I started putting these things together, I started advising my members. And it just kind of naturally evolved that I continued to do that literally starting from my second year of law school all the way through my career until I finally, yeah, left my career as a lawyer to do this full time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I love that. What would you say is your purpose actually in life? I think it really is to help others. And I know it's kind of a vague and broad statement, but, you know, I've always felt this calling to, you know, when I was little, I would tutor my little brother and his schooling. I kind of thought maybe I wanted to be a teacher of some sort. Even when I graduated from law school, I still had that teacher thought in my brain. So I was always open to new ideas. I wasn't dedicated to the lawyer path. I just was dedicated to how can I help others? And, you know, as I went through my legal career, I ended up representing companies, which I thought was totally against everything I had set out to do. You know, it was just kind of circumstances ended up there. But I found that I actually was able to help people because there are small businesses out there. There are employers who are struggling. And if I can save them costs on their litigation, then I'm saving them costs in their business and making it so that they can make it to next year. Mm -hmm. um, even the bigger companies, they employ, you know, thousands and thousands of people nationwide, right? Our grocery stores and our Rite Aids and all those types of places, they need to save money on their litigation as well so that they can continue to provide for their employees. And so I actually did find I was still able to help people, um, but I still really like the one-on-one. -on -one. I like dealing with people individually as much as possible. And so I feel like that's always been kind of a a calling for me. Mm, yeah. So, yes, as you say, you know, helping people actually may be quite a large part of, um, you know, what being in law also mean, actually, I think, mm -hmm. uh, in the first place. So um, tell me, what is one thing that people don't know about you? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> like so, if yeah. you were waiting for this question. I, know, I was waiting for this question. I was like, where do I go with this one? So, yeah, it's funny. So a lot of the tips that I give my um, pre-law and law students are really creative packages. They're creative things that, you know, I took this problem that one student was having and I took this background information from the law school and I put them together and created this money-saving amazing tip right that no one put together because they didn't have exposure to the law school and to the student with that problem and so there's a lot of creativity in that and in the last five ten years I've really seen myself develop as a creative person and that's how I'm really able I think to help people is the creativity of my ideas but 
I don't think I was really creative before or I hindered it. You know, I, I think it was always there. But I never let it develop. I was so practical. I was going to be a lawyer. That's a practical thing. And I just never allowed the creativity to flow. And I don't think I really came into myself until I allowed that creativity to flow. So a lot of people will tell me, wow, you have such creative ideas. And, you know, I even... for fun, I make costumes and they say, oh, you're so creative. And so I hear that so much. And it's just, it's so funny to me because the way that people see me now as creative, I I really feel like I wasn't before. And I spent most of my life avoiding that. And so I think it's um, actually a good thing for people to know is that you can evolve and you can develop different skills or bring out things that are inside you that you don't even know are there. Mm. How would you say that you have been able to develop that creative side, actually? You know, it's funny. I think part of it was just being a lawyer. I've heard people say in the field that I was in, uh, it was workers' comp for most of my career, that it's not very exciting or, or creative. And I actually found that if I search certain things, I can you know, make that win. I could get that better deal because I was being creative with my arguments. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even won a million dollar trial basically off the theory of it's not fair. And that is not a legal argument. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I, I just threw everything at the judge. And in the end, really, my <laughs> overall conclusion was kind of like, none of these things are very strong. But when you put them together, it's just not fair. And he agreed. So I found that it, you know, just, I think, letting myself do that. And I think maybe almost the desperation of how can I save this million dollar case? Mm. I'll do anything. You know, things like that, never quite giving up, it allowed it to flow. And then I started to see it in myself. And then I started to really let it go, you know, and let it come out. Mm. So yeah, I think it's hard for people who have, you know, hindered something their whole lives to let it come out. But it's, um, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely see that. Totally. Yeah. So um, I'm sure that, you know, it is hard to leave, uh, you know, a practice of law that you loved or yeah. actually you say that you really love that and you love yeah. what you did and yeah. to just leave, uh, you know, that job. So what actually prompted you to leave that job, actually, to just venture by yourself? It was hard. Um, yeah, I was in the field for that, that particular field for about 15 years and with one firm for about 12. And I loved it. It was, again, I made it a creative outlet and I had great coworkers, but I think I felt like I had done it. You know, there were opportunities throughout my career to progress, to move into management, or, you know, I had been approached by a judge to apply for to be a judge. And I usually said no, because I really felt like there was more for me to do as a lawyer. You know, I hadn't done it enough. But then when I had done it for about 15 years, I just felt like I've done this. I feel like, you know, yes, there's always a new case with a new twist and things like that. But I really have seen a wide variety of cases. I think it's time for me to do something new. Mm. Yeah. And um, so and then you left. And uh, so how did that how long did that take uh, between the moment you left and then uh, you starting to help people? uh, Or did you start to do that before you leave? How was the bridge? 
Yeah, I actually have been speaking like at UCLA for years. So, you know, with the pre-law society and stuff like that. So that was already going on um, just on a very, very small scale because as a full-time lawyer and a mom, (laughs) you don't have a lot of time. So it was always very minimal, but it was there. And, um, you know, I had my website, but I really didn't have a web presence, you know, so it was just, I'm here if you need me you know, let's chat if you need help. But it wasn't until I left the practice of law that I really, you know, reestablished my LinkedIn and all those (laughs) things that we all do to make sure people are aware, hey, I'm here to help. I'm here for you. And, you know, yeah, so that that was, it was not till after I left that I started doing that uh, actively. Yeah, definitely. So um, what would you say that this year series is uh, really me exploring the money and the money issues that we have around money? And obviously you help a lot of your students to save money. But what was your own belief around money from uh, your background, from your from my background. You know, uh, home, you know, how was it? Did you discuss money at home? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, we didn't grow up discussing money, but um, I was, I guess, you know, indirectly taught through example that we, we just don't go into debt. And I think that that really helped me all through my undergraduate years. I had roommates who we would go shopping and they would spend you know, 100, 200, and I'd be the one coming back with nothing. And, you know, I remember my roommate one time yelled at me, like, how come you never buy anything? Because I don't have any money. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's, I don't want to go into debt for a pair of shoes. So, you know, it was really helpful through college. And when I moved home after college, I worked for a few years and saved up for law school. And so I saved uh, half of every paycheck. You know, I spent the other half on, you know, living and having fun and doing a little travel, you know, before I buckled down for law school. And then I saved the other half for law school expenses. But I think what happened for me, and again, I think part of that is because I had no, you know, classes, training, discussions, was as soon as I got into that mega debt, I just lost control. It was, you know, I mean, yes, you have to still have, you you have to go buy a suit and you have to go buy these things. And so it just became a snowball of, well, I need these things. I'm already so in debt. I'm just going to have to pay it all back later. And I mean, I wasn't frivolous, but it just became this confusion and chaos and just so out of control. And then I graduated right after September 11th. There were no jobs. Mm. There was no one hiring. In fact, everybody was laying off for the next like two years. The government had a five-year hiring freeze. So all the people who were promised government jobs now no longer had jobs. The people who had been practicing for, let's say, three years or so, all were laid off. And so they were applying for all the jobs I was applying for. It was so difficult to pay back loans when you're not working. <laughs> so it was just a bigger and bigger mess. And, you know, I finally got it all worked out and back on my feet and that's great. But because I think I had no education in finance, it really, it just created a mess. Whereas maybe I could have had better control, especially before going into law school, mm-hmm. even though I had started that entry well it just immediately became a mess. So I, you know, and that's one of the things I do counsel students on is, do you have a financial plan? And that's true for, I mean, it's great for college students as well, Mm -hmm. but 
anybody going into higher education should really sit down and speak with a financial planner. You know, I give them some advice, but I'm not a financial planner. I tell them, sit down with a financial planner, go through the numbers and see how you can better afford things. And are these numbers really what they are? Are you actually taking into account everything that you should? Because really, you know, law students are often surprised with the fact that when they graduate, there's another loan waiting to be taken out. You think you've got your three years of tuition and you're done, but what happens is the money runs out in May, but you don't take your bar exam until August, and so how are you going to survive for those few months when you're studying the whole time and you have to pay for the bar exam and the bar exam course? And so all of a sudden, the schools are like, well, do you want to take out another 10000 and at that point, you're so drowning in debt and you have no money to survive. So you say, okay, sure, tack it on. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's horrible. So, you know, it's, if you understand all the th- costs that are going to go into your schooling and all the after costs, how soon can you get a job after you graduate and you put it all together, you can at least make a better plan of attack. So, I mean, you can't predict things like September 11th mm-hmm. or COVID, but mm-hmm. at least you'll know kind of where you stand a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see that, you know, and as you say, you know, this applies to law school, but you might apply to other people who do MBAs as well and other thing, uh, medical, kind of, school. Uh, medical school and everything yeah. else. Are you feeling like you are all over the place and lack direction in your life, in your career, or in your business, and aren't sure what you should be doing next? You need to take the five day to discover your passion challenge, to reset your priorities, and reignite your life as I guide you over the five days to discover what truly lights you up, so you can start living urgently doing what you truly love. You can access it right now at francinebelly.com slash passion challenge. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash passion challenge. So, but how, you know, can you give me like a practical example of somebody who has gone through that route? Because usually when we go to school and at that age, you know, we don't think about these things. So yes. the only thing we want is that we want to be that good lawyer in good suit. And, uh, you know, yes. or perhaps our parents' expectation of us being a lawyer, usually. Right. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, and, but, and then the idea we are having of what this uh, job is. How do you pinpoint somebody at that age to just sit down and make through these kind of calculations, um, you know, and uh, have you done that to somebody and then the person come on the other side, say, wow, that was like the best decision ever or that was, you know, save my life. Give me some of uh, the cases that you have encountered. Yeah, so definitely, I mean, this is actually, you know, and it's not just my theory, right? So when I started listening to financial things to try to get rid of my loans and all that stuff, you know, one of the people I started listening to was Dave Ramsey. And his theory is you pay cash for everything. And so I've heard him talk through how do you pay cash for law school and for med school and for all these things that are so expensive. And when you listen to his calculations and Again, if you listen long enough to his podcast, you hear it over and over. You can pay within a few years for law school, med school. You just need, and you don't need an astronomical income to do it. You just need to really buckle down and you need to figure out where you're cutting your costs. 
And it really is amazing. So yes, so I have advised people on things like, you know, for example, what I did in part, which was saving half of my income. And, you know, I've shown them that, you know, the average um, income for a college graduate right now is 50,000. Now, you may make more or less or whatever, but if going with that number, 50,000, if you are able, if you know you're going to go to grad school of some sort, if you're able to move home, even for a few years, just to save up some money, I mean, you can easily save up 25 grand. What do you need that other 25 grand for? Even if you have a car payment and your cell phone bill, I mean, you know, and some entertainment costs, right? What do you need 25 grand for? You can probably save more than 25 grand per year. And if you go to a law school or a grad school or whatever that costs 30,000 and you save 30,000 a year, in three years, you've got it covered. Now, you may not have all your living expenses covered. So, okay, you take out a little bit of loans. Or, you know, just that third year of law school, you take out loans and you pay for all your living expenses the first two years. But there's so many different ways that you can do it. And yeah, definitely, I've sat with students. I haven't heard back. I definitely have heard back faster, right? Like almost immediately, like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this and this is great. The tail end, I think they move on or something. <laughs> I don't know. But yes, no, and I've definitely had that, what, what you were saying, like, this was the best decision of my life. Mm-hmm. I love hearing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, you know, there's so many different things that go into it. I mean, just with law schools, the cheapest um, ABA, that's American Bar Association approved school, is uh, $13,000, and the most expensive is 70000 so without even looking at scholarships, grants, anything, if you could play with what school you go to, that can make a huge difference. You could go to all three years for less than the cost of one year at another school. And you might have to give up some of the ranking. You might have to give up um, what state you live in. But is it worth it? I mean, for your financial freedom in the future, that's, it's huge. Hmm. So, you know, and if you're going to a school that's kind of in the middle of nowhere, they might want to also give you money because maybe other people don't want to go there. So, Hmm. you know, so it could snowball. But once you start looking at these numbers and start playing with this, I think, again, the ideas start to flow a little more. There's so many ways students can save money, but they don't, they don't know about it because the schools don't always share the information. It's out there, but it's just not, it's not shared. I've looked up a million blog articles on how to save money uh, in school. And, you know, the most common thing is don't eat out. Well, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars and you're telling me not to eat out. That's just a drop in the bucket. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It's helpful. Valid. What else can not- they do if they don't? Okay. Let's say they eat out. What, what can mm-hmm. they do to make that money? Uh, you know, to save those monies, those big amounts. Right. Right. So there's definitely, I mean, they can go part-time and work during the day, even if they only work part-time, right? Because maybe they don't want to do all that. They can do things like, like I said, save up in advance. Um, There's other things like uh, picking different schools. There's, um, oh my gosh, I have like the longest list because it's just, there's so many things. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I try to, I actually am coming out with a course in the next week or so. So it's, it's coming out soon. Um, that starts with ninth grade. And it talks about how to get 
jobs that pay more than minimum wage starting, you know, in your teens and going through college so that you can make a little bit more or study more and just work a few less hours and then save money all through your journey. So whether it's, um, you know, traditionally in in the U.S., we have um, advanced placement courses where that can, if you pass the test, you don't have to take that class in college. Lots of students know about that, but they don't know about the it's a newer program. It's not super new, but called early college high school. And that is where you get your two-year degree while you get your um, high school diploma. So by the time you graduate from high school, you've already completed two years of college. And so, and it's free. So you've just saved thousands of dollars. And so there's all these little things that, you know, depending on what point in your journey you start, you can save so much money and totally change your future. You know, that I think that for doctors and lawyers, there's a really high depression rate. I know for um, attorneys, it's about 30% versus the general populace is about 7%. And I believe a lot of that is tied to their debt load that they can't, you know, work part-time because they need to pay back the loans. They can't take a break because they have to pay back the loans. They have to work for that higher bonus because they have the loans. Um, they can't shift fields of law and work in a field maybe they've always dreamed of because maybe that field doesn't pay as much. So it's it changes your whole life and your whole dynamic when you're stuck with student loans that are just overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, um, you know, if, um, as you say, you know, when you give them the pre-counseling beforehand, you know, mm -hmm. if they can see this is the outcome that or the kind of life that they will have to live, you know, they can see um, uh, very clearly that, okay, so for me being able to live the life that I want, and if it means that I'm going to have to pay this kind of loans, et cetera, et cetera, perhaps I might not as well do the law school, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. might go and become an entrepreneur, for example. <laughs> yeah, I highly encourage students to take time off, go explore life, find out what you really like out there besides law. Um, and the same could be for doctors as well. It's just, I know it's... I, they're probably cringing and saying, no, I want to get this done. But, you know, you're going to be a lawyer for 45 years or something like that. I mean, what's the difference if you do it for 35 years or 40 years or, you know, it's not a big difference. And you might find something else that you like that you don't need to pay $200,000 for. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if you're happy, what's the problem? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, yes. Um, yes. So that's uh, really fascinating. Um, so um, what would you say is was one of the lowest moments that you have encountered during your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, wow. <sighs> um, I think, you know, when I first, and this was, I mean, again, I've been doing this more recently full time, but I think when I first went to full time, it just was um, finding out, you know, I'm sharing with them what I think is important, but finding out what they think is important. And that was really a struggle at first because you, you have to find the connection especially to get them to even listen to what I'm telling them, <laughs> you know, it's, you need to find that connection. And I've definitely been finding these connections and it's, 
I've been making more meaningful relationships with these students. And it's so great to see that. I, um, this last summer, I offered a little four-day class for entering law students. And just the connection I made with those students was so great just to see their development. I was helping them write um, legal, legal exams and, and just short little samples, not full because the full legal exams are like three hours, right? So these were just like 20 minute prompt type things, but just seeing their development within a few days was so much fun and it just created a great relationship with these people. Um, and they were so grateful for, you know, my tearing apart their essays. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just watching people develop has been great, but it, it was a struggle at first because it was like, what do you need? How can I help you best? Not what do I want to share? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. You found it difficult to really figure out what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Because in the past I had always just given speeches and maybe a little bit of follow up and stuff like that, but not mm. much because I was working. And so whatever I gave was, you know, fully appreciated. And that was usually our topic. Mm. But now that I'm spending full time, it needs to be a little more yeah. specific and yeah. to what they yeah. need more. Yeah. 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 I get that. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes really, yes. When you are now flipping your, um, you know, expertise to really, you know, it's not a straightforward really helping people right. to figure out what they want to do or give them the specific advice, you know, and need right. some, some time and some, you know, connection to be able to make that totally. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So um, tell me now, uh, what would you say uh, would, would be your top advice right now for people who are perhaps looking to start a business, for example, or add mm-hmm. a new stream of income for what they are currently doing? So first, I definitely recommend different income streams. Um, if you're going on your own, y- you never know, like, for example, if a natural disaster is going to occur or something like that. And so we've definitely seen in 2020 where people had these amazing businesses and they just completely dried up. And they were things that everyone thought were so stable because they just never predicted that you can't go into a store or you can't, you know, just automatically get things online in a day or, or whatever. And so I, I definitely think different income streams is always a good idea. Um, what even if they're uneven levels, this one's 10% of your income, that one's 20%, and that one's, you know, the remaining 70, that's fine. But as long as you have some kind of trickle still coming in that can keep your, you know, basic bills paid, great. Um, I think it also gives you different skills. You know, one might be more web-based and one might be more phone-based and one might be more physical, but it gives you different skills that you can usually cross over. Um, and then again, just listening. It's, listening is a huge skill for anything you do, whether it's, you know, being an entrepreneur or being a lawyer. The best ones, I think, are listeners. And so if you're out there, make sure you're listening. And if you are, you know, asking a group for advice, again, listening <laughs> to what they actually are saying. Yeah, I think listening is, yes, uh, one of the skills that uh, you can develop in anything, really, to be able to, uh, you know, develop uh, other skills. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so um, tell me, so what would you say is uh, the number one habit that people need to take also to be um, very good at uh, managing money or how they 
need to be with money? I think that, and, and this is, I don't know, maybe odd to call it a habit, but I think checking in with a professional once a year, once every few years, is a really good habit to have. Um, I know when I was looking into um, originally making the transition, I had a slightly different plan than what I ended up doing, but I went to a financial planner and I said, here's my plan, here's what I'm thinking, and it, you know, if I'm doing this, the numbers right, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be okay and I'm going to do these you know, things. And, and he went through the numbers with me. He said, yes, you're absolutely right. You, you added this up correctly. And I said, okay, thank you. It was, I, I think some basic math and I think I'm doing it right, but I've definitely made mistakes in the past and I didn't want to make a mistake during that transition. And then of course I ended up shifting gears, but at least I already from that conversation knew what I was looking at. So mm. it was helpful. And yeah, I definitely, that was, I think, I think that was the first time I've done something like that. But I definitely plan to do it in the future and every so often because it just was so helpful. And it really reminded me when I didn't do this in undergrad, but when I was in law school, you do have a counselor you're assigned to. And I went in every year and I just made sure I was on track. And for me, I just felt like with law school, your whole first year, there's no electives. It's just a set course. And your second year, it's half electives. And the third year is mostly electives. And so I just felt like it was such a short time frame that it, I, if I messed anything up, it would just be completely messed up. And so I just went to her, made sure I was signing up for the right things and thinking of the right things. And I did that once a year. And I just felt so good about what I was doing. I felt secure. And so I would recommend that in undergrad. Um, yeah, like I said, I never yeah, did it, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I get what you say. You know, if people don't are not in this position of having any counselor available to them or anything, so the idea is that find a professional that mm-hmm. can give you an advice. You can check with the person uh, yeah. and make sure that yes, you're on the right track. So yes, it takes some proactivity to do those things. You know, yeah. because this is not the first thing you think when you are going through life. You know, you just want right. to do things. You're just you're, yeah. you know. Uh, so that yes, checking in with a financial professional or you know any professional actually <laughs> to yeah. check and get some advice is uh, one of the uh, one of the best advice. Yes, definitely. Um, so uh, tell me, so now how do we get to re- live a rich life now, regardless the money that we have? I think that listening to yourself and trying new things is what enriches your life. So um, I had mentioned to you um, off the air that I have always had an obsession with Robin Hood and things like that. And I always want to do archery. I think that was all part of the same package. And so a few years ago, I decided, why have I put this off so long? And I went to my local archery range and I started, you know, shooting and I have my own bow and arrow set and, you know, I, I love it. And so, you know, I think we're constantly evolving and you need to listen to yourself mm-hmm. because just because you've never done something before or had that idea before doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it or you shouldn't be open to it. Just, you know, think about it. You know, is there something that you've always thought you wanted to do? You know, we, a few years ago, um, my daughter and I did um, flying trapeze classes and it was so much fun. It was just, 
you know, something totally outside the box. So I try to always, um, you know, when I'm on the internet or when I'm driving around town, pay attention to what's around me and try things. Mm. So I think that that really helps people feel at home with themselves and happy, you know, having that rich life is exploring themselves, exploring their neighborhoods and the experiences around them. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. The, you know, flying trapeze was a little expensive. So we just did a couple classes, you know, and the, uh, where's the archery? I bought my set and I'm done. I don't have to spend any more money. So, Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be a big expense, but it definitely, you know, you need to try new things. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yes, exactly. It doesn't have to be expensive, you know. It's just uh, really exploring Mm -hmm. different things and looking at, uh, yes, what uh, brings you joy. So now let's go through a lightning round of questions. I'll ask a quick question and you give me a quick answer. So when you travel, do you select your flight by the cheapest or by duration? duration (laughs) okay so if you had just a laptop and a hundred dollars to start making money today what would you do oh gosh um i would i don't know i think i would give it to a web developer to help me out (laughs) (laughs) would that be enough (laughs) i know no definitely would not (laughs) and then when the web developer is going to help well so what what are you going to do to make money just Uh, Yeah, I know, right? Um, So, yes, just to get me past some of my little uh, issues, I would say. So, yeah, it's not going to be my whole website. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and then once you have the website, how are you going to make the money? Uh, Well, through my courses and things like that. So, it's, yeah, already what I do, but just to help me bump up a bit. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, So, what would you say is financial freedom for you? I think that it is having, I would love to be debt free, right? So debt free or just at a good balance where it's not a hindrance, right? It's not another mortgage, something like that. Financially free to me means that my bills are affordable and that I can afford to do fun things. And they don't have to be, again, a trip around the world or anything like that, but to be able to take a vacation and to be able to attend other people's important events, a, you know, a wedding across the country and things like that. Mm. Yeah, that's wonderful. So what would you say is your definition of meaningful work and meaningful life? I think anything that makes you happy is meaningful work and leads you to a meaningful life, but isn't the whole picture. You need to also, you know, have self-development. Like I said, explore those things like archery or whatever it might be for you. But I, I do think a lot of people put way too much into their work and forget the self-development part. So it's both. If you're not happy at work, it's going to be hard to make up for it in your spare time. And if you don't do anything in your spare time, it's going to be hard to be a full and happy person. So you need both. And meaningful work, I mean, it doesn't mean you have to help others or anything like that. It just means you have to be happy with what you're doing. You could be doing something that's not exciting to most people, but if you love your coworkers and you're happy with what you're doing, that's, that's meaningful. It's great. Yeah, that's wonderful. Do you have any last piece of guidance that you'd like to pass to our listeners to do more meaningful work and live a meaningful life? 
Yeah, I would say uh, you touched on it earlier that we have a lot of influences from our past, you know, our parents, and we may not realize it. We also have our internal influences. So a lot of lawyers say, I put out there when I was 15 that I was going to be a lawyer, and then I felt stuck. I felt like I, could, I didn't even think to look around because I felt like I already told everybody what I was going to do. And so my advice is be aware if, you know, your influences are from your parents or from yourself and really think about why you're doing what you're doing and whether you need to do it so urgently. Again, can you take some time off, explore life and can you just, if you're on a different path than going to higher school, can you find happiness there? Maybe not in your current position. Maybe you need to work your way up the ranks. But if you work your way up the ranks, would you be happy there? And if so, then why do you need to pay a couple hundred thousand to become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever? So just really think about uh, life before you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That's wonderful. Last piece of yeah. guidance. So where uh, people can, um, you know, um, reach you and learn more about you and your work. So I am on every social media platform, uh, TikTok, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, as either Legal Learning Center or Jolene Blackburn. And then there's JoleneBlackburn.com. Thank you so much, Jolene. That, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. <laughs> it was a pleasure being here. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. The show notes of this episode of the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life are available on my webpage, francinebelly.com slash podcast. That's F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E-B-E-L-E-Y-I.com slash podcast. With all the references shared on the show and other relevant resources as well. If you enjoy this podcast and want to show your love and support, share it with your friends and colleagues on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever you hang out, because this will encourage me to keep bringing you an awesome show. So, and make sure that you subscribe to the Meaningful Work, Meaningful Life podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the app where you are listening to this podcast. So you don't miss any episode and leave me a five-star review as well, because that will mean that a lot of other people can see this show and it will help me spread this message to many, many more people. So I will see you next week for another episode of the season seven. Until then, dream, act, and make an impact. Lots of love.